everybody. Uh, real quick before we get started, wanted to give a shout out to our friend Michael David Wilson over at This Is Horror. Uh, editor, podcaster, author, friend extraordinaire, and uh, somebody you should be throwing some support behind. Uh, go check out his website at michaeldavidwilson.co.uk and get all his information. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ink Heist. This is Shane Douglas Keene, and I'm here with Rich Duncan and Brendan LaFaro as we interrogate the amazing Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box, Mallory, and the forthcoming Pearl, um, which is a book you don't want to miss, just like this podcast is a podcast episode you do not want to miss. Off, you know, that whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we could ask for a few grand off, or you could leave that piano. <laughs> nice. And she was like, fine, I'll leave it. I was like, yes! <laughs> and you told me to move the fucking work. Well, so then it sounds so fucking good, and I wrote at least my half of the songs on it. And so the drummer came over, he sat up in the living room, the Producer brought all of his gear here, and we recorded here for a week, and then in that guy's studio for a week. And I've been doing that like eight hours a day for the last like two weeks. It's been nuts. Oh, what a blast! Oh. Same piano you used in that uh, in in your Stoker speech? Yes, same one. Huh? sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, I, you know, I'm getting a lot of a lot of use out of that thing. <laughs> so, I'm sure that she. Uh, Whatever. I don't know. Maybe maybe she has, like, you know, when you get your arm cut off, you feel your arm. Maybe she's, like, playing the piano, phantom piano, wherever she is. Yeah. <laughs> or her, her, every time someone else plays it, her arms vibrate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> her arms vibrate. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I actually did start recording while you were talking about that, because I wanted to catch that bit. It was cool info. Awesome. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, we're going. I can record an intro later after all is said and done. Um, but I'm kind of thinking, we always do this, you know, new inmate on the cell block thing, you know, but if there's somebody listening to us right now that doesn't know who the fuck Josh Mallerman is, Mallerman is, they probably don't give a fuck who he is. So, no. <laughs> Hi, but, person. Hi, person that may not give a fuck. I am Josh. And if, if we spent 10 minutes at any bar, you would give a fuck. If we spent one hour at any bar, we'd be best friends. You know, that's sometimes what I feel like with any time I'll see something online, which I don't really look that often, to be honest with you. But if you see something where it's like, I don't know about this guy. I'm like, dude, just give me one hour, one hour at the bar with this guy. And, right. and and we're going to walk out of there, like, singing songs arm in arm. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, is, I've known you long enough now that I know that for a fact to be true. <laughs> yeah. <Anybody. laughs> I feel like, you know, it, it, it's hard to, what's that word? It's not pledge allegiance, but it's it's not easy to be like, I'm a fan of this guy or this girl. It's like there's a moment that happens where you, like, you admit that to yourself even or something. You're like, I am a fan of, you know, this or that director, this or that band. With bands, it used to take me a while. I'd be like, mm, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. And then finally I'm like, fuck, these guys are great, you know? Yeah. And I, and I have no idea what 
took me so long. You know, there are people that get it immediately. And, you know, and why not? I wish I was a little bit more like that. But there is something, a psychological something about saying I am a fan of someone. It takes like, okay, I'm I'm saying it out loud. I'm fucking in. I'm in the boat. Let's go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's how I am, too. If I if I say, you know, which I do all the time on here about things um, that I am a fan of something, it means that I've been I've been uh, deciding that usually for quite a while. It's not something that usually happens, especially with music where I was. Hey, that's good. Got a good groove. You know, that's about as far. Uh oh, you guys still there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Shane's just gone. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I can yeah. I can keep up that thought for a second though, because I, I wonder what it is about music that's a little harder to do that with than anything else. It's like I think what it is is that <clears throat> sorry is that writing a novel is such a fucking endeavor, right? That if we read a novel that we love, we're like, you almost need only one from from a writer and you could forever love what he or she does. You know, you just kind of need that one or something. Right. But mm-hmm. music is like it, for some reason, like one album isn't enough. It's like, yeah, I liked their first album. And let's see what they do next. There, there seems to be like the jury's out with music and it, and it, and it takes. I wonder if it's like. uh Maybe part of it is you you mentioned albums, but like even if it, with a single album, a band kind of has to win you over like 12 times for you to like the album. You know, you, you yeah. like track one, but if track two sucks, guess what? You're going to turn it off. So, I mean, it's almost like, OK, all right, you guys, you know, you, you swung 10 out of 12, but let's see if you can make it happen with 11 next time. It's a whereas I don't know. You're right. A book is different. Um, where it's not like you're going to get to a point where it's like, well, chapter 10 was a real piece of shit, but, uh, you know, the rest of the, right. the rest of the book worked. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And you know what? I think that what we're talking about suddenly, strangely, is that an album is like a collection of short stories. It's like a collection from the, yeah. from the artist rather than a novel. And every now and then you get an album that is more like a novel, right? Um, and that doesn't have to just be like a concept album, just a real unified fucking sound or something, you know? Where you really get the sense that, like, obviously, Dark Side of the Moon feels more like a novel than a collection of short stories, right? And so those albums do exist. And when you get one of those, that can be enough to be like, I'm in. But this other way, you're right. Because you could be like, I love story one, but story two is really cheesy. And then story three took forever and whatever. But in a novel, it's not like that. You're not like, no one, literally, no one ever reviews a book chapter by chapter, which is an interesting (laughs) idea. Now I want to do that. This is my review. Chapter one was pretty good. Chapter two was a little better. You know, like, I mean, like, that's that's crazy, but I like it. I have to imagine there's some reviews of your work out there that are like that. You know, you don't have time to pour through all of them, but there's got to be something out there that's done in that fastidious manner. Maybe you're right. I haven't. um, And this doesn't hope this doesn't sound pompous. I really don't. But um, I think it's good advice for most writers. I haven't read a review in four years. I haven't, um, I've, I've read some things like, um, I've just read some things maybe like if a friend or not even friends, but reviewers I know on, um, through like Instagram or Twitter or something, you know, I've read those and I've read like, um, uh, like publishers weekly, like those kind of like, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Kirkus, 
and like the library one. Like I, I read those, and if it's in a newspaper, like the Detroit Free Press, I would read that. But even the Detroit Free Press, I would be like, I would kind of see like, okay, this is this is pretty positive, that kind of thing, and I move on because, you know, I it's something that I don't know if I learned it through the band, but I've been pretty much been that way since day one. Pretty much been that way since day one with the books of just like. I don't want anything to slow this down, what's happening over here. And I don't imagine that a bad review would make me like, oh, my God, I got to stop. You know, I'm not worried about that. But but I just don't like it's in such a pretty place in my head. The writing experience, writing novels, um, the horror experience, reading and all this that to get like I just don't want any like 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 mind nugget to crawl in there like or something, you know, and say and, and like, I, I of course, I don't mind criticism. In fact. I think that was like my editor and my manager and um, agent and everyone and, and Allison, who if for a listener doesn't know that Allison and I, we've been dating for like nine years now. We, we've got to get fucking married already. Um, I'm wide open to like any, any notes, any. In fact, I say yes to like 95% of them. So it's not like criticism or critiquing that I'm worried about. I'm worried about some like just dark, angry color. You know, some just slash like this mm-hmm. guy's an idiot or this fuck this or blah, 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 which which is easy enough to ignore. But simply not searching for your name, not reading all your reviews is one way to to sidestep all that also. And I, you know, I meet some younger writers or I don't even know if they're younger, but they're just newer, I guess, the last couple of years who, who are really pouring over their reviews. And I'll see them all upset. And I got really drunk with two of them recently. Um, we were at a bar. And I was like, guys, I, I hate to be the guy to say this. Just don't read them, you know, and, and, but it doesn't I, I, I don't want that to come off as pretentious or pompous. It's not like I don't care what people No, 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 no. You want review, like reviewers to say whatever they say. And, that, and that's fucking great. And even if they don't like it, well, great. OK, but you also need to protect the writing experience and where you're at with it. You need to protect your relationship with the enthusiasm of writing that needs to be protected at all costs. So, you know. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, it doesn't come across as uh, like pompous or anything, like you said, but it's funny because how you were kind of correlating, you know, um, a novel kind of or like an album being like short, a short story collection or kind of like the correlation with music. Like and I'm sure you could probably speak to this, too, you know, so many times when like bands or whatever when they go to record you know sometimes they'll pick a certain location for like the seclusion or what have you and it's pretty much like blocking out the external noise so that like you had said it's about like protecting your process and your enjoyment of it right right it's it's literally it's not like everything i do is great and fuck you it's not it's more like (laughs) Like, um, I'm really glad uh, that anyone's reading these at all, but I also have to, in the band too, it's exactly what you said, the band, you have to be like, hey, maybe we don't show everyone what we're working on halfway because we're working on it and there's momentum here and there's progress here and at all costs, it's about getting the work of art done. You know, I posted a tweet recently, I was drunk when I did it, but I still mean it, um, which was, if you want to be an artist, you have to finish works of art. And a lot of people seemed upset about it or something like this. Even this girl at this at the party I was at told me that she didn't agree. And even Allison said she didn't agree. Um, but I really believe that. And I like and, and whether or not I, 
like how do I explain this? I would never discount, you know, someone's um, ethereal artistic existence, you know, if they didn't write fucking books or something. But for myself, I need that motto to finish. Mm-hmm. I need them to actually finish these books and to continue. I don't want to turn around and three years pass and I'm like, oh, shit, man. I kind of I fell into <laughs> I listened to someone when they said, no, you don't. You don't have to finish anything and you can still be an artist. And then and then I'll be, and then I'm like, oh, shit. Now it's been three years and I haven't done anything. Right. I don't know. No, no, no. I can't let that happen. So for me, it's more like a motto to like, again, anything to protect the process and to keep it going in a bright, um, progressive way. Like I have yet to encounter like. Um, sludging through like, well, I said I was going to write, you know, and then like yeah. sludge through it. That day could come down the road. I don't know. Right. But it hasn't yet. And I think one way to protect that is to is to try to stay away from, you know, don't search your fucking name on Twitter. <laughs> um, don't read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't engage in weird shit like that. Don't uh, and, and don't even feel like you need to make a stand about it. Just yeah, the book is out there. And also people's view of, let's say, Bird Box or Unbury Carol. Like that should the views are going to change through the years, like 10, yeah. 10 years from now. However, someone thinks about those books now, it's probably going to be different then. So just let it be and move on to the next one. And that's that I try to I try to be aware of that at all times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's something I think. Yeah, maybe that is a per artist thing, but I'm I'm the same way. I periodically have to just say you know it doesn't matter whether you finish a song or a story or a poem or something but fucking finish something dude you're sitting here you know (laughs) yeah that that keeps me moving you know so yeah and 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 what you just like even dude even if it's like um like a a drawing or just like a, a sketch drawing or or um a one page short story there's still a sense of progress there because yeah. we all know people who um and I I've, I've always kind of felt bad for these people like people I've met in my life that um maybe they were in a band when way back when our band started like 20 years ago but then their band broke up for whatever reason and they don't write music anymore or someone who says they have all these ideas for a book but they haven't written one yet and that kind of thing and we know that even a one page story could be the fucking kindling to like the next novel you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so let's like it's like just got to keep that fucking that elephant alive, man. That That's a pretty good, it's pretty interesting you mentioned that because it kind of ties into one thing that I had always kind of thought of, um, kind of like some of like the 80s horror writers, like a lot of those books that are in like paperbacks from hell or whatever. You'll find like these authors who have made, um, you know, they've written maybe two or three books. And, you know, people loved them at the time, then it's almost kind of like they disappeared. And I wonder how much of it is kind of like that same sort of phenomenon, like maybe they just kind of lost their momentum with it. Oh, I I wonder that kind of thing, too. Like, who knows, right? A a bad review or maybe they didn't think the book did as well as it should have or and, and these are all viable reasons or who knows? Maybe they literally just had a couple in them, you know, and these are all like viable reasons. But we fortunately have the 80s to look at and we have all this history of rock and roll to look at. And so we kind of know these pratfalls, right? Like like when the band started touring way back when and we toured for like seven straight years. But the very first day of our touring, we were driving from New York to Philly. And before we got in the van, actually, um, I said to the boys, I was like, listen, 
remember what we're about to do is like unnatural. We're all about to spend a, so much time together that isn't you don't you wouldn't naturally spend with a best friend. Like you would see your best friend at night after work or maybe in school, but then you go home and do homework, whatever it is. You would never like literally be side by side with your best friend in a band, a van, sorry, for years, right? So when we see stuff from each other that we think is like lame or annoying or this or that, remember we're seeing something that is unnatural to see. So it's not like Derek is is actually annoying. I'm just next to him all day. And so that's the same thing. So we have those those dips and those divots in the history of bands and books to go to and say, hey, watch out, this could happen. So how do you protect against that? Well, a little talk before a tour and, and then the kinds of things we're saying right now can help sustain that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just fucking chill every now and then in a separate environment if you possibly can, you know, just for a few minutes even. But uh, now I've never, I have spent time with bands in close quarters when we're all fucking passed out on someone's garage floor, but I've never been stuck in that kind of situation. I'm glad I never went that far with it, honestly. (laughs) Man, I remember, Shane, I remember the weirdest one. I woke up once, and I thought, I knew something, like I was on a hard surface, you know? And I look up, and I'm looking underneath the, like, laundry room sink, you know? And I was like, wait a minute, did I, did I fucking go into the laundry room and fall asleep under the sink? Like, 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 like I thought this was a good idea last night. Yeah. <laughs> we were at like a stranger's house in like Fargo or something and yeah, slept under the fucking laundry room sink. Wow. <laughs> were there other options or <laughs> once you, know, you got up? My best educated guess was that I called it a night before everyone else did. So the laundry room must have been a quieter room than the rest of the house at the time. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, you know, the thing with me, usually every time I woke up in a place like that, there's no way I could possibly tell you there was a better place when I ended up there because I don't know how I got there. Yeah. One time the drummer and I threw up in harmony and we, um, we, we we played a, it was in Fargo actually we played a show and after the show God that was a bad show and afterwards Derek and I both kind of stumble outside and we threw up in harmony he was like huh, and I was like huh, and I was like Derek we just like harmonized when we puked <laughs> <laughs> you have that you have that effect on people not the puking not the puking the harmonizing um, like the face like the face thing that time <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, that was a good one. Wow, people are going to think I'm a nut job from this talk. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he's, he, he's not too much of a nut job. You should read stuff he writes. He's stable, and he's a genius. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, he's not stable, but he is a fucking genius, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I, th- I think the term stable genius has a little bit of a different connotation than it used to. Uh, you, know what? you know, he's not allowed to have any words. You know, I was at I was at a party and I said or something and I used ombre or in some way. And someone said, isn't that a Trump word? I'm like, he doesn't get fucking words. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's not allowed to have these words. No, that's not his. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's exactly the way to go with that. Fuck that guy. He's just a doddering old man who needs someone to change his fucking diapers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys hear my cat this whole time? Oh, What's... that was like right on cue. Right on cue. It's boom. Hey, Dewey. No, no, no. You should get out of here. Oh my god. <laughs> I swear that's not a person. That's my cat. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like someone in your basement going, help me. No, I know. It does. It kind of does. It's kind of far away, like, crying. <laughs> yep, this is Ink Heist with Josh Mailerman and the, his, whoever he's got tied up in his basement right now. <laughs> oh, wait. I'll just reveal it. It's Allison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know I I don't even know what to say to that there just doesn't seem to be there's jokes that I don't know you well enough to make (laughs) oh yeah well I know I'm well enough to make some of them but um, Allison scares me (laughs) yeah um Nah, I like Allison a lot. The little I've spoken to her, and you know anybody who uh, is cool with um, your energy and can live with your energy on a 24/7 basis um, has got to be a fucking saint, in my opinion. So, because um, I I love you, but I couldn't handle that for more than you know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I think now I'm looking at her in a whole different way as she's tied up in the basement. I'm looking through a hole in the office floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really thinking of her like tenderly now. I'll be right down. There's <laughs> some gruel. Some gruel. <laughs> Put the lotion on the skin. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're actually part of one of their weird uh, live productions that they put on. We have no idea about it. That'd be amazing. Whole time, yeah, like, like like a meta podcast. There's this that we're having, but then also the an, a second one. That sounds horrifying. That would be fucking wild, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be like the greatest version of War of the Worlds ever, as far as adaptations go. It's all done via podcast. <laughs> okay, Dewey, I'm gonna have to put you out like outside or something. You're so loud here. Give me one second, guys. Here, Dewey, come here, come here, come here. Yeah. Hurry up, let's go. All right, thanks. All right, all right. It's just us. So, um, you've got you've had so much shit going on, man. I w- I'm not even sure exactly where to start, but um, I'll uh, I'll start with um, my favorite pig. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, tomorrow morning, um, anyone who listens to, uh, um, pardon me, um, anyone who listens to the Shotgun Logic podcast will hear Ross Jeffries say he just read a book by you called Pearl, um, and he was amazed at that book. He said it was, I mean, I, I don't remember exactly, um, but uh, yeah, he loved the book. He said it was like um, as traditional as he's ever seen you get with a 
horror novel. Um, and yeah, it is, but it's traditional in, in a Josh Mellon sort of way, I think, too. Uh, I mean, because it's like someone said, hey, Josh, write, a, write just a traditional horror story. And you said, okay, hmm. once upon a time, there was pig, pig, <laughs> and then mayhem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thank you uh, for that. And, and Ross, I saw his uh, uh, YouTube, that video review, and it was unbelievable. I sent it to my mom. She watched it. Um but Pearl was a real special one for me, man, because I don't want to I don't want to say like every now and then I try to throw the ball over the plate. But I guess every now and then I do. And Pearl was like that. It was like it's it's almost exactly what you said. But I guess the person that asked me to do that was me. Right. I was like, hey, man, why don't you try throwing one over the plate? See what happens. And and yeah, I mean, it's not such a straight story, but but in terms of like. This is a horror novel, and I think that with Inspection, I see it as one, but I could understand if someone did not. With Carol, I see it as one, but I can understand if someone does not. But this, this one is squarely, boom, in that in that realm. And so I felt real good about it for that, you know, because I think one of the, it's almost like, God, it, it's an interesting thing about us horror authors where our a lot of us, our ultimate goal is to actually scare someone. And and that almost supersedes great writing and almost supersedes great plotting or great even a great idea. And it's like if I can actually pull off a scare, like there's something extra special where where you could write something maybe like the writing is worse than Carol or or whatever, you know, whatever that means. Right. But then if you actually pull off those scares, you feel like like it's something like you go to bed smiling about. And Pearl Bird Box had that. And Pearl has that for me, too. And so she's real special to me in that way. Well, actually, Pearl is a boy pig, for the record, uh, for anyone listening. So uh, he is special to me in that way. Yeah. So no no pig sexism allowed. It's a dude. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. And I have actually uh, a publicist that. Uh, okay. At. Josh's publisher, I never remember who's who anymore, um, sent me a digital copy of Pearl. And it's like, oh, yeah, I already read that under a different title. Um, but I started, you know, doing what I do with books that come my way because I'm a lunatic and I went ahead and hit the open button anyway. And, you know, started kind of flipping through. And then the next thing I know, I'm halfway through the motherfucking thing. <laughs> And I'll probably finish the other half tonight, you know. <laughs> it's like, wow. Oh yeah, man, it's fucking insane though, because I get, you know, without spoiling too much, it's at that stage where Sherry's, oh, you know, midway flashback is happening into her past, and you know when she still lived there and whatnot, and it's like there's not really anything happening, but it's fucking terrifying. It's like this is, this is it. This is where the Terror really fucking goes through the ceiling and destroys you, you know. And so at that point in time, yeah, I'll read it and finish it tonight. So, wow, that is amazing. <laughs> do, do you remember the scene where, um, and I'm not going to spoil anything either, but where, where, with the cop at the county fair, do you remember that one, like the county fair where 
there where um, Farmer Koppel gets brings Pearl on stage and the cop starts thinking like you should arrest that pig and then he's like what what am I ta- what do you mean arrest that pig right <laughs> yeah yeah and where he's like just abnormally fucking horrified of this this animal that the farmer brings up there um that's yeah. about the spot when I was writing it but that's about the spot where I was like this is fun let's let's, yeah. let's like, keep going like let's just keep going keep going and it was all written to like horror movie soundtracks and so there was like a pulse in the background of the whole thing and it was fun man yeah this is a and also listen man this one goblin and a house at the bottom of lake were all put out with like indie indie or smaller presses whatever right right? and Mm -hmm. is putting them all out and so it's this like incredible moment for me because not only is there a wider like readership hopefully but there's also like it makes those first editions like awesome like collectibles now just everything about it's cool mm-hmm. i'm just like so fucking glad and i had sent them i sent del rey um i was like listen i kind of have a cover in mind for this one and i sent them this really shitty drawing of like a white background with a red bleeding barn and my name in pearl and in, in black and they sent back i don't know if you remember what the, the cover looks like now yeah. um okay you yeah. do and they sent it back like that, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is perfect. And my theory on this cover is that whereas this book could easily be – have this super psychedelic, crazy cover because of where the book really ends up, right? Yeah. But instead, this this barn that we see, this stick drawing of a barn, to me, this is Pearl's first, like, cogent thought. Uh-huh. This is Pearl's first – like, the first word he learned. It's the first thought beyond, like, conscious – thought that he had was this childish rendering of a barn and then to think of where that leads from there is is why i really like this cover uh yeah and for me i it fell immediately in love with it because it's just such an understatement compared to like you say where that where it's going um it's just it's just like a subtle okay i need to know what the hell's in that barn but you have no idea how desperately you'll regret what you're gonna get you know (laughs) yeah and i say that in the best of ways because you won't regret it in the slightest if you're a horror fan yeah absolutely i remember when i read it and too like the cover is cool i didn't really even think of that angle but it's kind of like um no, it kind of doesn't really give anything away. And I remember when it first um, came out with Cemetery Dance, I'll admit I was reading like the synopsis and I was like, this sounds cool. And I was like, but really, how scary, you know, can a pig be? And I remember like after I finished it and then reviewed it, I was like, pretty goddamn scary. <laughs> Man, I remember I remember that review, <laughs> this moment and everything. And so like. Like, I know I was, so I was talking to Del Rey. I'm like, we were like, what do we write on the back of this book? I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't, anytime I would like explain this book to a friend, they're like, yeah, that one sounds like, like acid casualty book. I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like, <laughs> I swear, I swear it's palatable. I promise. And like some of the reviews I've seen, the Publishers Weekly and, and uh, um, Kirkus and the ALA, the book list. They all mention what kind of what you just said, where they're like, if you just read the premise of this, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? But Mm -hmm. then they all enjoyed it a lot. So it's not an easy one to, quote unquote, pitch to your friend or even to um, like your publisher. But that kind of thing like that, 
that means something to me too. That like everything doesn't have to be so damn pitchable, you know? Everything doesn't have to be so like you shouldn't I don't know if every book should be able to be like summed up in three sentences, you know? And like and and I think that for me in my little world, Pearl's a, a good example of like how like dude, I couldn't explain to you why this you'd like this, but here, try it. And I and I think you I think you will. But something like Bird Box, I could explain, or Goblin, I could explain in a sentence or two. But it's okay to not be able to do that. And I, I think that between all of us trying real hard to get short stories in places and novels in places and even the film side, right? We're all really like, what's the byline? What's the pitch? What's the log line? Sorry. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus, I don't know, man. Just read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll tell, tell you a real quick story just because I'll forget it because me. Um, but there's something special about that for me, too, because I was trying – desperately to come up with an animal to write um a weir beast poem about for an anthology um and i wrote about pig because i thought about pearl and thought how unexpected that particular animal was as a monster you know <laughs> i was like okay that's fucking perfect and it is fucking perfect because i sold it so yeah that's awesome and oh and interesting <laughs> um Speaking of the you and me bond, this is, I guess it's the first, uh, Carpenter's Farm would be the second in, and I hope to have like a, you know, a farm trilogy when all is said, said and done. And Pearl was the first and Carpenter's Farm is the second, which obviously you and I know very well. And, yes. uh, and who knows what madness lies ahead for the third one, but we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of madness, I need to contact Mr. Martin and you about something I've been thinking about. But that's a separate, or not Martin. Well, Chris. <laughs> oh, Chris Campbell? Yeah, Campbell. Yeah, I know two Chris's very well, so it's like, not Martin. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, no, but that's a totally separate subject. Um, just something I thought about. Uh, uh, has to do with that collaboration, um, but not anything like it. So I'll shut up now. That's, <laughs> so, fucking, that's so fucking vague. I'll probably cut it out. <laughs> Shane, I really liked what you said earlier about how the covers under, understated. I was thinking it had this like this really beautiful simplicity, but I think understated is probably a better word for it. Um, so Josh, I'm curious. No, I, I think I'm the lone person. I, uh, did not get a, uh, cemetery dance version of it. So I'm waiting till October to see this thing come out. But did you make any changes from the cemetery dance version to the version that's coming out, uh, with Del Rey? None. Nope. None. Um, not, uh, I mean, maybe like a couple spelling errors, but that like nothing beyond that. Nope. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's really, did you, I guess, intend to, did you look through it and you just said, you know, this is a snapshot of a moment and I want to keep that moment? Yeah, I'm like, in a general sense, I believe more in that kind of, I think it's okay though. I think if, if I had been reading through it and I was like, you know what, I, I mean, I don't know, like we could beef this up or do this. I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't fault another writer for doing that. Right. That's what I'm saying, I guess. Um, because like, why not? What the fuck? It's like, add another guitar to this song later on. Who cares? But, but at the same time, I do have, okay, like let's, Carpenter's Farm is the perfect example because 
I right now it only exists on the website, right? And it was written pretty much about as live as one could do it, or at least as live as I could do it. I would write a chapter and then post it like the next day, like pretty much, right? So sometimes two. Sometimes two. So <laughs> so I feel like it would be really weird in that case to like rewrite that all and refine it all in some way. It's like that was the fucking that was the thing, man. And it came out that way and it was presented that way. And and there's a part of me that doesn't even ever want to take it off the website. I just want to leave it there and nowhere else forever. But it, it's just I think that there is something when you when you start to have like a body of work. Let's say you start to have hundreds of songs instead of three and you start to have dozens of novels instead of one or something. I, I do think you start to see it in that snapshot way that you just mentioned. Where it's like, nope, this is this is where you're at, and this is what you did, and let's let's roll with it. But again, I can understand somebody wanting to or doing that also. Now, from your point of view, is there any fear of like, because uh, I mean, that book when it came out with Cemetery Dance resonated with so many people. So many people absolutely dug it, including the uh, two other guys on here. Um, but is there any fear of pulling like a George Lucas and CGIing a whole bunch of weird ass creatures into your Star Wars re-release and having people be like, this is not what I signed up for when they get yeah. the hardback? Yeah, no, I would feel that. Like, I would feel like that a little bit if I I don't know exactly what the I know what you mean for sure. I don't know exactly what the equivalent would be. Right. But but I do feel like. Um, let's say, I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Like if the, if like you softened up the ending or if you, I don't even know, like something like, you yeah, know, right. Yeah. I would feel real self-conscious and weird about that shit. Yeah. So I didn't touch it. <laughs> also, no, there was less work to do this with, with this philosophy. See, sometimes it's the philosophy that just means less work. <laughs> yeah sometimes no i don't want to fucking deal with that yeah you know what yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna say no but then i'm gonna come up with a really brilliant reason why it's a no but really i just no just in case a podcaster asks me about <laughs> just, just yell artistic integrity. <laughs> yeah. artistic integrity and then hang up the phone yeah, yeah. <laughs> short ass interview <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so but true Sorry, Shane, go ahead. No, no, by all means, follow up. Well, I, I was going to uh, change the subject a little bit, but I was just wondering if the same was true for House at the Bottom of a Lake and um, and Goblin. Uh, some changes in Goblin, but not nothing like major, and more. it was more like dialogue, a few spots that... Goblin is the second book I ever wrote, and I wrote it in 05, June of 05. Um, which was only a year before Bird Box, a year and a half about. Um, but it was the second book I ever wrote. And Goblin, as I love that book, but there was some clunky shit in that book. And I I gave that one a little bit of like a, a once over. But House Bottom Lake I didn't touch. And House Bottom Lake was actually written in the same exact um, six-month stretch as Pearl was written. So, And that was somewhat recent. So, and I don't even know necessarily have I gotten to become a better writer or blah, blah, blah. But Goblin felt a, just a fucking hair. Like, I tried my hardest to, like, preserve what it was, but also, like, kind of help some of this fucking dialogue, too. Yeah, and um, I think, uh, you know, the thing about the, what you said about I don't know if I'm a better writer or what, but that's not, I mean, I, I 
repeat this so much that our three listeners are deserting as they hear me say this. But, um, of course, you're a better writer. Um, there's no such thing as a writer who writes as prolifically as you do. An artist who continues to finish art. Um, there's no way you don't get better at that, you know, unless you've just decided, well, I think I want to make art out of shit now. Yeah, you know? no, I thank you for saying that. And I and I agree. And it's something that, you know, a lot of my heroes like Hitchcock and others like I've literally watched this happen with them and, and this kind of thing. But but, you know, I also to my 2005 um, self, like if he was sitting here, I'd be like, no, 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 you did. You did it great, man. You did it great. It's just some of that dialogue is real clunky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I, and I would like help him a little bit. I'd be like, no, no, just, just, you, you don't have to be in such a rush. Just here, here, this, this, here, here. And, and then yeah. I, he'd be like, oh, cool. All right, thanks. He would probably be like, can you do that for me? I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it for you. And he'd be like, great. And then he'd go drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, the great thing about writing as an art or music um, is that it's your thing and you can do whatever fuck you want to do with it down the road you know even if you go through it and um i published one that the editor made me make a change that i didn't really like it was like you know what but then he paid me and then it came back to me and then i made the change back to what it was before i stopped liking it you know so no harm no foul a paycheck in my hand so you know <laughs> well, <laughs> do you no, feel that whole interesting thing right the whole like like the editor changes like these kind of things like obviously on the film side if somebody like i'm not directing the movie or this or that or i'm not even writing the screenplay really like so changes that are made i'm kind of like really open and excited like yo just take it and do what you want i just hope it's fucking good right mm-hmm. but there are those moments there are a few moments in the history of like in my brief history with publishing where i was like yeah okay i'll make that change in the book because I really am open to it. I'm like, the way I yeah. see it often is like, it's so long. And I think we've talked about this before. So long as the core conceit is not in, in any danger, then we're good. So for example, um, there was someone along the way and, and I didn't end up working with her and I'm not trying to like rip on her or something, but she had kind of like said with Furbox, she's like, well, like, you know, does it have to be that we never that they that they that they can't see them like under any conditions like like can't like we maybe see the creatures I'm like I with your this suggestion you're talking about this puts the core idea of the story in danger if you say there should be seven housemates instead of fourteen the idea of the book doesn't change just the delivery of it does and so there have been a couple times where I'm like well it doesn't change the core conceit why not it can go this way or that way and later on i was like ah fuck i kind of liked it better the other way but nothing major nothing like um you know dropped a character i loved or like a terrible ending or something like that just like the littlest goddamn thing you know like you removed a scene because maybe see one thing that i'm a fan of is i don't think that every chapter has to be necessarily so propulsive i don't think every goddamn word has to like lead somewhere i think it's okay for the writer to just kind of like almost just take a breath like the, the book itself to take a breath and just muse on something for a chapter i'm into that moby dick is my favorite book of all time and my god half the book is that and like so those kind of things like where i may have eliminated like yeah i guess this beat has nothing to do with the book okay i take it out and then i'm like yeah i should have fucking left that so I, I i've had like moments like that too but they're they're small but i've had them 
and but for the and for the most part, I mean, I see it from the same perspective. Like the Carpenter's Farm stuff is a perfect example. You know, people said, well, if you've been writing for writing consistently for two years since then, are you going to make changes to those? And no, because they are what they are, and we've talked about that before too. But it's yeah. you know they they are what they were intended to be. Um, and it's like, you know, we'd have, it's like going back into the studio and remastering something from open D to, um, standard tuning or something, you know, it's like, nah, why would we do that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah. But then also I think that this is somewhat hinging upon the fact that we believe that the energy was caught the first time around. Right. Cause there's like, we've run into moments, uh, Ryan Lewis is for listeners, Ryan Lewis is my manager and he has been for like 13 years and he and I started a production company and Ryan and I have run into like things with like, you know, with like, wait, hold on. My dog is trying to get in again. Can you give me one second? (laughs) Hold on guys. Sorry. No worries. I think you heard the name Ryan Lewis. Hold on. <laughs> little out of context tidbits. <laughs> okay. Uh, makes note. What do you mean by that, Josh? Dog is named Ryan Lewis. Yeah. So we. <laughs> <laughs> the dog is the dog is his manager. <laughs> that would be amazing if this whole time that I was talking about Ryan Lewis, like. I was just like, I believed my dog was my manager and everyone online was like, his manager's done so much for him. And then like, <laughs> and then like pan to me at home and I'm staring at the dog. Like, what should I do now, Ryan? You know? Yeah. <laughs> We've seen pictures of you though with, with Ryan. So there'd have to be some sort of like Scooby-Doo reveal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Ryan and I have had, I can't even believe I remember where we were with this. Ryan and I had um, like a meetings with some places where we were like, okay, okay, man, you know, what they're looking for sounds like this rough draft that I have, you know? And so we like, we pitched a rough draft a couple of times, like a book. We're like, well, Josh wrote this book, you know? And they're like, oh, we want to read that. And it was like, oh, fuck, you know? And now I'm sending them a rough draft. And in those cases, Shane, I don't know that I captured the energy or got it like I do with we're talking like a song recorded or Carpenter's Farm. So there, those moments were a little like, what the fuck are we doing? We're sending this out like literally I have not read this since I wrote it, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I don't know. I I feel like there's something extremely uh, proactive about like shopping, like, you know, everything in this goddamn office, man. Like, let's say, yeah, the, do they think this is a better one? All right, well, I'm not going to rewrite all of Marvel's. Let's just send it out. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, you know, someone says, yeah, I want to buy that, but let's talk about some changes at that point in time. It's like, okay, job, you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> exactly, because I think that our philosophy was and is like, I mean, how many change they're going to make a gazillion changes anyway. So if I sat here and uh, labored over rewriting marbles so that it like looked good for that studio and then they would be like hey we we like this idea but we think it should go like this i'd be like why the fuck did i rewrite this yeah <laughs> exactly because yeah. guaranteed almost unless i mean i can't even think i don't even think stephen king would have that experience but guaranteed you never hand something to someone and have them not say okay but can we just make a few changes to this and that right. and, exactly. yeah yep 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, bypass doing that step twice if you can. <laughs> yeah, I know. It almost felt like this, like, it almost felt like I'm too good to be true or like greedy or something like, oh, my God, what if we could sell a rough draft? I don't even have to fucking rewrite this thing. You know, yeah, but it's like, no, no, no. Eventually, I would rewrite it anyway. Marbles, by the way, is is the book that we did, and that's one of my favorites. I can't fucking wait for the world to read Marbles. Oh, my God. Marbles is about – it opens with four siblings in a walk-in pantry, and it's their mother's funeral, and the four of them are debating whether or not to carry out their mother's really bizarre last wishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's the the spring that's the diving board for marbles oh marbles is the family name so jackie priscilla um matthew and heather marbles are all in this walk-in pantry like two of them are like we have to do what mom says like someone's last wishes define who they really were and to themselves and you have to honor someone's last wishes and the other two are like we are going to fucking jail if we do this you two are out of your fucking minds so that's mar that's what marbles is about um, so Matthew's, Matthew's mom hated him, huh? No, Matt, Matthew was on the side of, um, doing it. Jackie and Matthew are on the side. Jackie, for sure. Jackie Marbles is a fun character. Jackie and Marbles are on, or Jackie and Matthew are on the side of doing it. And Priscilla, very conservative, intelligent, and wise. Priscilla is like, no. And Heather, who's pretty scared of everything, is uh, sides with Priscilla because she just doesn't want to go through with this. But, Yeah. Um. I just met in the schools I went to. If your name was Matthew Marbles, you'd have got your ass kicked every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, that uh, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, no kidding. Thanks. I'm gonna try to get that one out now that we have this little talk about it. Like, I'm gonna try to get this out somehow, like ASAP. I don't even know what that means yet. Um. Yeah. But uh, that's you know everybody who listens. Can I keep that in here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, everybody who everybody who listens to this is gonna is going to be over the moon to hear about that. So um, guaranteed. Yep. Marbles. Um, yeah. Let me know when. Let me know when I can start really really screaming its name. Let, let me let me. I I don't know why I'm in the mood to suddenly do this. Yeah. But yeah. Let me tell you the plot of another one that's one of my favorites. The, because remember, I have a crate next to me with 25, you know, <laughs> books, you know, that are not out yet. So Past, Past is one of my favorites because Past is about a guy who's like, he's like 1900 and early 1900s. And he's like super enthusiastic guy. And he's just like a, just a good, like warm cheerful guy and he he comes home from like this job of trying to like sell he's like a salesman job and he comes home and his mom's like what are you okay like what's wrong with you he's like what do you mean what's wrong with me and his friend's like are you doing well he's like what do you mean am i doing well like i'm always doing well you know and so he starts to suspect because they're all like you seem a little down or you seem a little you seem a little less um less than uh, than what you normally are you seem a little muted and he comes to believe that there's an entity in his like rooms in his apartment that um is like zapping his lust for life sucking it out of him piece by piece so he sets so essentially he sets out to trap depression he Hmm. sets out to trap this thing and to remove it from his rooms but like you as a reader are like dude i don't i don't think there's anything in your room that's doing this to you you know I, i think I think you are, or, you know, I mean, I think this is you, but then you kind of come to realize like, oh shit, there is something in his rooms. 
Past past is one of my uh, is one of my favorites. Fuck, dude, you just yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to see that one way or another. Um, it's like oh my god, because that, that one hits some uh, some trigger points for me, which um, which I'm not averse to triggers. They they make me happy because it means I'm gonna get scared or bothered by something, and I'm one of those weirdos. But uh, um, yeah, that that sounds amazing to me. Um, you could keep telling me premises to all your books all fucking night long if you want to. <laughs> Twenty-three more. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm not a question in, in regards to you know the the unpublished twenty-five or really you know anything you've ever written. I mean, I, you just seem to me like you have an idea a minute. So how do you kind of decide which you know if you're going to commit a month or more to to banging out a book? How do you decide the idea is worth that time? How do you latch on to one that's going to mm-hmm. be a book? I, man, I, it, 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 does it suffice to say you just know? I, I don't I don't know. It's because I have a list like here. I have a little list right here, right next to your screen of you guys. Um, and I'm looking through it right now and I can just tell that this one is a full novel. This one is a short. This one, hmm, that can go either way. I love the I this idea of man it doesn't matter. Um, this one is a novel. This one, <laughs> everything the woman drinks is booze. No matter what she drinks is booze. If it's water, it's booze. If it's if it's a coke, it's booze. And she can't stop drinking booze. Okay, that's a short story. Um, or maybe not. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, these are I can just tell. I don't know. And now that I'm looking at this list, Jesus Christ, I want to fucking write all these right now. Hmm. Anyway. Now I feel behind. I did not expect to open this list right now. Um, I, I know how that feels. <laughs> yeah, right? You're like, oh, shit. I looked at the list. Yeah, it's like, and I do that all the time. Like, well, I've pitched shit to you before where I've just said, hey, I just had this fucking amazing idea. And every time I do that, I jot that down. Yeah, yeah. Well, me too. Oh, dude. I watched that. This was super interesting to me. I watched that um, Paul McCartney 321 thing. Did you guys see that? It was on... um. Hulu with Rick Rubin and it's just him and Paul McCartney sitting um, at a at a control at a mixing board playing like going through Beatles songs. It's black and white. It just came out. You guys see it? Oh no, but I'm no. going to. It's, it's really good and like and and um he was wait what were we oh yeah so Paul McCartney was talking about how like dude in like the early 60s there wasn't your phone to record ideas on you. You had to fucking remember them. And yeah. like, you know, like, and I know that it was the same with us in the 90s and shit, but even then I had like a little handheld recorder and something, you know, and mm-hmm. I had this four track thing, but he was like, literally like we, me and him and John just had to remember what we were, came up with. Like, you know, they would come up with an idea and go to sleep and have to fucking remember the next day. And it's like, that's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really, really is. You know, I tried to explain that to someone one time that, you know, well, I was sitting in a place where I used to write all the time called Veritable Quandary, which was a fucking bar because that's how I roll um, with a yellow legal pad and a fucking number two pencil. And the idea that I was there to write about was sitting on my desk at home and I didn't have a fucking clue what it was, you know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh yeah, I know. You know, nobody gets it. Yeah, I couldn't just whip my phone out and go, oh, that was it. <laughs> I know. I know now, like you said, I so with Ryan Lewis, my dog, the dog, I have like this like running list 
of ideas that I send him. It, it'll be like, you know, anything. Like, I'll be a man with three feet, you know? A guy who sneezes his nose off his face, you know? Um, like, any idea I send him, you know? And sometimes he'll be like, that one sounds good. Or other times, no response. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, oh, there was one time. This is unbelievable, guys. One time, I can't remember the idea, but I, I sent Ryan one of those texts, like, late night. And then the next day we were, we were both in LA and we were in a meeting like with studio stuff and we're talking to this producer guy and he's like, so tell me some of your ideas. And we're going through all these ideas and nothing's, nothing's fucking clicking. And then all of a sudden Ryan goes, well, Josh has this other one. And he fucking like said the idea that I had texted him the night before. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean Josh has this in my head? I was like, what do you mean? That? I don't even, I don't even know like anything about that idea yet, but I'm, I'm just like, oh yeah, what do you think of that? Sir? What do you I felt like we were like used car salesmen trying to sell a car without an engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, a prototype that hasn't actually been yeah, built yet. Exactly. Like, this one might need a little work, like being written or yeah. being longer than like or being longer than one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Less than an elevator pitch. <laughs> but that was that was a legendary. That was one of those moments where I'm like, oh my god, am I so glad we found each other, Ryan? he believes in you he knows that you know if it if it's a hit that you can go and bang it out overnight oh boy yeah i guess so but yeah that you know yeah that's even that's that's further than rough draft shit that's like crazy (laughs) yeah beyond for for me that's still what i call ethereal yeah Um, kind of going off an earlier thing you had said, uh, Josh and Brennan, one of your earlier questions too. Um, I know you have a book coming out later this year as part of the Halloween series called Ghoul and the Cape. And, you know, knowing you and kind of your writing process and how, how quickly you write things, this is going to be your longest book to date, at least that we know of, at like 750 pages. And I was curious, is that one of those ones that you had started that was in that like original 25 and then you kind of like fine tuned? Or was this like a um, like a brand new process for you? Brand new story. Uh, thanks for asking about it. I'm super fucking excited about Golden Cape. It, it is brand new. Um. I understood that this was a big one. and it, I mean, it's a beast. It's 300,000 words. And for perspective, for a listener, Bird Box is 68,000. So, I mean, this was a, this is a beast. And I understood um, how much work was ahead of me. And then it, was, it seemed almost counterintuitive. Like, how do I say this? So, <clears throat> I, I mean, typically I go for like 2,500, 3,000 a day. Bird Box was 4,300. Carol was 5,300, um, but those were exceptional sort of moments in that way. Um, but with Go in the Cave, I understood like, hey, I'm not going to finish this marathon. If I if I write the first 70, 80K at the same pace I would in a normal novel, I'm going to be out of gas by the time I get there, right? Because you, you pretty much are at the end of a rough draft. You're kind of like, whew, right? So... I was like, okay, I'm going to do only a thousand words a day for this one. And it seems counterintuitive. You're like, wait, but this one's so much longer. All right, then dedicate more time to it. So I worked on Google in the Cave for almost a whole year. And it was a thousand words a day, um, all brand new. 
um, wherever Allison and I were in that year, like we were, um, we stayed on Lake Superior in the Michigan's Upper Peninsula with her family. I had to write every day there. We were on the road, you know, in LA at times. I had to write there. Um, you know, you're feeling sick. You had to write if you're a little hungover. Too bad you had to write. You know, because I understood like you need to like you need not only a little bit less a day, but the minute you kind of like stop something like this, it'd be like pausing in a marathon and you're not going to start again. You know, like this was like I I understood very clearly um, uh, the scaffolding behind this one. And it worked. I got to the end or I even got to like the 200,000 mark. And I was like, holy shit, this is working, you know, because before Ghoul in the Cave, the longest uh, I went was half that with the book I wrote right after Bird Box, which is called Bring Me the Map. And that one is also in this crate. Um, so that was a close. That was the longest I'd ever gotten. So to reach that 200 mark was like, holy shit. And and but it was this steady, almost this like, it, it was almost like I had taken all like the lessons um, that I would give a new writer because this was new to me. Um, I had taken all like the times that I had talked about process with like you guys and with Allison. Mm-hmm. And I actually like implemented it all like, hey, listen to yourself. You know how to do this. And it worked. Now, the real holy shit part was the rewrite, though, because you I mean, you get to page like this. The rough drafts, um, you know, it was like eleven hundred pages or something. So you get to page like you get to page like four hundred and you're like, holy shit, I'm like, I have seven hundred to go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you then get 700 and you're like what i still have fucking 400 like like there was no no peace in this experience so it was like it's like, like zen concentration almost almost this like zen sort of um discipline to get through this one not in not in a um sludgy way just in a hey man you believe in this and you're gonna fucking like you have you have to maintain enthusiasm because you're going months instead of like a couple months, you have to, yeah, you can't get lazy and be like, oh, I'm sure the second half's written well. No, <laughs> like no, you got to rewrite this. <laughs> like, yeah, just because you're tired doesn't mean you don't chop the last piece of wood sitting on the chopping block. So to you know, exactly, like honestly, mm-hmm. exactly like that. It felt sort of like I was in some sort of writer's like boot camp, and then. The second I was done with that, guys, I wrote a book after it that felt like, oh, my God, it was the most breezy experience of my life. I was like, because I re- it was like it was like a swimming, you know, a runner who runs through water or something with Goo in the Cave. It was just such a slow, steady, let's fucking get this. And then the minute that was done, it was like, bam, and just like exploded with one in like a month. Right. Um <laughs> But it's good. it's good to know that you can that you can switch hats like that too. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I it flabbergasts me right now. I haven't. Uh, Rich, next time mute your mic. You just blew my left eardrum out. But, um. <laughs> I didn't do anything, but okay. It, it sounded like someone popped a beer tab right in my left ear. My my. Uh, Earbud probably just died on me. No, I think that was um, me smacking my desk. I, I, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about oh, that. Oh no, no worries at all. It was a good distraction because I couldn't remember what I was gonna say. So <laughs> that kind of segued us right out of that fucking thing if I hadn't said anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so Ghoul in the Cape is, uh, ooh, man, you guys see the cover already? Yes. Yeah. Um, man, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty fucking good. It's insane, dude. And that's something I was going to say about, uh, the, the, um, Goblin reprint, too, is that I love that they put that fucking traditional style looking horror cover on there, you know, it's kind of like going back to, um, fucking, you know, 80s style cover art and shit. It's like, okay, I'm looking at this and thinking, this is like one of the old F. Paul Wilson novels, like The Keep or something like yeah. that. You know, yeah, got- yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I love yeah. that. Um, there's, there's holy shit illustrations for Ghoul in the Cape. I kind of want to. Are you on Facebook right now? Um, I, yeah, I am. I have not deleted the account. I go there for my kids, so. I kind of want to send you these right now, but I'll, maybe I'll do it after. I'll do it after because I don't, I don't want to be distracted and doing all this. Um, but I'll send you some of those illustrations. They, it, it really, like, it's above and beyond what Paul Miller has done with this. And the whole experience with Paul, okay, this is amazing because, so Paul Miller, when, because remember, he put out Goblin originally. And I, when I talked to him about Goblin, he was like, do you have any, like, like I'm sort of a giant novel. And like I, he, he just said he would like to read one from me, right? And I was like, no, no, I don't really have one. And then, and then years later, whatever, I wrote one, and I didn't even really think of it in those terms of like Paul or whatever. And he wrote me um, asking. He said he was going on a vacation, and could he read the really long one that he saw that I had written? And I was like, yeah, it's a rough draft. Um, and I don't know if this is like a beach read, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if this is like, OK, I'm going to send you this 1100 page fucking crazy book, man. And and he read it on his trip, like all 1100 pages on this vacation. And he called me after and he's like, let's do it. And not only let's do it, let's illustrate it. Let's get this cover. Let's it comes with shot glasses. This book does. Um, it's really he's really gone all in it on the whole experience. We talked about a million things together along the way when I was rewriting it, I called him, you know, uh, do we like this part? Do we not? I really, it became like a collaborative thing working with him. And I don't know, you guys should interview him, man. Cause he's an interesting fucking guy. He, think about what he's done. All the books he's put out working with Clive Barker. You know what I mean? Working with mm-hmm. like all sorts of like hor- uh, Anya Allborn's recent one. And he's got a really just interesting fucking thing it's almost like he's like um a guy who loved collectible books collectible books and then he was like you know what why can't i put these out and and he has for years and they're just gorgeous editions and he'd be an interesting guy for you guys to talk to man sorry i I, I was actually trying to look him up remind me the name again so it's Paul Miller at Earthling Publications. Okay, okay, I got it. I thought that's who that was, was the Earthling dude. Mm-hmm. Right on. Um, I uh, am going to hunt his ass down and tell him, Josh, that you have to, you have to be on my podcast. So. Oh, my God, I love it. I really hope this happens, man. I, I, he's just, yeah, for, like, book collectors, and we all are. And we all like love mm-hmm. to talk to like a guy on that side of it who actually manufactures them, manufactures them, and and actually like looks for the right illustrator for the story. You know what I mean? It's like cool shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I love getting into those details like that. Like um, I'm going to be bringing the band that did the music for Shotgun Logic onto either this or Shotgun Logic, um, it's Car Sudden. You know, it's just because it's a, it's a different aspect of the, the writing um, experience because they're very much a uh, they they it's kind of a progressive psychedelic uh, black metal cosmic horror music is the best way you would describe it. Um, and it's like, OK, well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how you create this, you know, because it's all part of this same process. So, you know, I that became more clear to me than ever in my life when you and Chris and I worked on Carpenter's Farm or our pieces of it, because it was like they're so the processes really are so fucking similar in the way you come at your art, you know. So, I mean, in that they are never similar never identical but you know what i mean well and i and i i totally totally think hearing that band discuss like making like horror music whatever like cause sometimes you know like i'm into everything horror adjacent you know, like, like everything like i would like to talk to somebody who makes like fucking buttons for horror movies or like pins for fuck's sake like how, did, oh, how do you decide, how do you decide which fucking image do you use you know like like i'd be into like that dude or girl yeah yeah, it, it <laughs> it's same here. It fascinates me. Yeah, talking to other creatives. Um, and I, I mean, and even though I know it's not true, ninety percent of the time it's because I feel like they're all so much better than me, and I'm learning so fucking much from everybody I talk to. You know, so, um, and that's not that's not a put down to myself. That's actually a bonus in my world. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, there and, it is. We, we got our we got our awkward <laughs> silence moment finally. No, it's kind of <laughs> off topic, but uh, Josh, I know you said like since you're into everything horror adjacent, and you were talking about um, Paul Miller and book collectibles. I know that you have a pretty big collection, and I have to ask you into that stuff too, like collecting books from various eras of horror like if you had to pick like one or two of like i guess you'd say like your favorite in your collection not necessarily your favorite story but whether there's a story attached to it or you know whatever makes it special wow that is a that's a fun question and that is a tough question and I'm just looking around my office and I'm like, oh, that one, that one, that one. one. Yeah. Like I'm looking at, so I got the like, like tour put out like almost these like, it was like classic novels, but the covers make it look like they're like, like genre novels. Um, this was in like the 80s. So that's the Moby Dick I read. It's the full, it's not, you know, on uh, whatever. It's the full thing. Um, but it's, so it's a giant paperback. But it's like, here, let me read to you what the front says. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, so it's presented more as, like, less literary and more, like, genre, right? It's like, a captain driven insane by a mad obsession risks his ship and his crew in dangerous pursuit of a whale. A whale that could lead them all to a watery grave. (laughs) that's awesome yeah it's like this amazing fucking drawing of moby dick like rising from the water and these like people in the boat like oh shit you know and (laughs) it's like 
I read this, <laughs> and I read this version, and it's it was so thrilling because like there is something about like when you when you get like the like um, gilded fucking version of Moby Dick, you're like, oh my god, I'm reading like a classic, and it feels like it. This was like I kept looking back at the cover, and I'm like, I'm on an adventure right now. So this one is super special to me, and it's also like my favorite book. It's um, this dude writes with the same fire that Walt Whitman does, that Edgar Allan Poe did or does did. Um, that and you don't find it that often, but it's my favorite thing when it's just like the spirit is through the roof. And this this book, oh my God, is it good? So there's that. But I have the paperback. I got the paperback for Rage here. That whole fucking grail of like horror paperback. I yeah. Yeah. Yep. That one's like holy shitsville. I got um um I'm trying to I'm like oh I have the original uh uh hardcover of the gunslinger too. Um that one where it's the illustration of of the gunslinger like shooting at the whatever into the dark or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's fucking great. But it, but again those. I know I understand your question isn't like the most valuable one. It's like the ones that mean the most or something. And like, and um, and I'm, I'm just trying to think. Um, another. Do you guys ever read Kurt Vonnegut? Oh yeah. Yeah. You ever read uh Bluebeard? Yes. Yep. Oh my God, I love that fucking book so much. Me too. And I have this like hardcover. This is special in a different reason because forever it was like sitting there, and I just didn't read it. And I didn't read it forever. I'm like, oh, oh, there's Bluebeard. There's that fucking boot on the cover. Maybe I'll, you know, it's like, oh, my God. So finally, I'm like, just read it, dude. It's been in your office for like 10 years. And I loved it. And so that one is a constant reminder to me of like, like, hey, that book that you've been eyeing or that's been eyeing you for 10 years, read it. Mm-hmm. And so that one plays that role for me on the shelf. So what I've done is in my office, because I used to be surrounded by every like book I owned. Um, now I only shelf what I've already read so that when I come in here, there's a sense of like accomplishment and experience and knowing what the walls are made of. Right. Versus this intimidating, like fucking square of like, look at all this you haven't done yet. Look at all. You haven't read any of us, Josh, you know, that fucking thing. So at some, at some point, at some point I was like, dude, fuck this. I'm only shelving what i've actually fucking read and then and then i have like a little section of like what's next to read kind of stuff that's a brilliant idea yeah. because i have the same problem i'm sitting here you know um podcaster reviewer as well as avid reader and i've got stacks and stacks of books all over the fucking <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they're all going motherfucker remember me i know i think it was 1972, I got to your place. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I feel like they like they like make you feel unaccomplished or like you're behind on something. You could be reading like I look at it this way. Okay, we see some crazy fucking numbers on Goodreads. Like I read 210 books. I'm like Jesus fuck, man. And then, <laughs> well, like no, I mean like good for you, but holy motherfucker. So then like so for me it's like dude if my friend tells me he reads like a book a month i'd be like whoa that's that's you're a reader and then i'm like wait that's only 12 mm-hmm. that's only 12 yeah. and then so two books a month that's a reader that's only 24 three four a, a month like one every week is like you know it's like 50 or something right yeah. so to me mm-hmm. you could be reading like a fucking book a week 
And that goddamn stack is still staring at you the whole time, telling you that you're unaccomplished <laughs> and that you're not doing anything. And it's like, it's not true. So get away right. from me. <laughs> exactly. And, and then I and then I open my Kindle. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. My Kindle's a nightmare. I, I wouldn't even want to look and see how many titles I have on my Amazon account right now because it's a, not only just an addiction to owning reading material, but also someone says, hey, buy my book. And I go, fuck, I got money. OK, and go buy the damn book. You know, <laughs> yeah. That's what I want people to do for me, too. You know? Yeah, I'm the mm-hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. Um, both what you said, Shane, like my reading area is a disaster, but like even the sense of accomplishment, thing, like it seems like people who love books, which, you know, is all of us and most of the people listening to this show. It's always funny because you kind of get that feeling like, man, I have all these books I haven't read, but then you're always finding new stuff. So it's kind of like a it keeps going like it's a continuous cycle and in my case like you were saying Shane I'll go to find something to read and I'll find books that I forgot I even picked up <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah that's a weird feeling when you're like I need to buy that and then you're like wait I already <laughs> yeah I do that or I'll do something like I'll go yeah I'll keep this I'll keep this one for you know a giveaway or something because it's extremely common to get sent duplicates or more of the same title um and then i'll be going through looking for hey this looks like a good one and start wait i read this fucking thing (laughs) 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 that's fucking funny Sadly true as well. That's from Rich all the time. I, I message Rich all the time. Hey, did I watch this movie, man? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, oh, this looks really good. Yeah, you watched. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so what's coming next, man? <clears throat> so the high strong need to finish this album, and we will. And not going. And um, I am working on a collection. I, I haven't announced this on like Twitter or anything, but it, it, the the so our production company is called Spin a Black Yarn, but the that name we took it from a collection of mine called Spin a Black Yarn. So uh, that book is coming out next year. That collection is coming out next year. Spin a Black Yarn. And and also another novel that I won't speak of yet, <laughs> but it is written. Um, and yeah, so there's those two are coming out next year, and then because of this conversation, I'm gonna find out how to squeeze marbles in there. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, and I mean, I'm not gonna touch the joke potential of that last. Yeah, that didn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that for you. Don't no. squeeze your marbles when the dog is in the room. Wow. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. Don't let Ryan see. So I'm going to put out two books and thanks to you guys. Put Shove some marbles up my butt. <laughs> I'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> wow. You went there. 
<laughs> Fuck, I'm feeling fried. <laughs> you just killed Rich. <laughs> uh, spin a black yarn, man. Have we talked about that at all before you boogie on us here? <laughs> Man, oh, wow! It's that in the closet. I, I was I was fine up until I heard Josh start laughing. Um, no, I, I haven't even talked about it on like Twitter. I haven't talked about it anywhere. Um, I don't know what the cover would be or anything yet, but I am that comes out in um spring of next year. Okay. Um, I was actually referring to the. I should have clarified because we were just talking about that. Um, the laughter distracted me. Um, <laughs> uh, was the the company itself spent a Oh yeah 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 yeah. So, um, yeah. So Ryan and I currently have there are I think twenty eight projects that we're working on, and that that means that they're in some um at some level of development, and that could mean. Hey, we like this book. Let's find someone to write the script or all the way set up at Universal or Netflix or and, and everything in between. So and of those 28 projects, uh, I think I think 14 of them are books or short stories of mine and 14 of them are books or, or novellas of other people or short stories even too of other people. And wow. and it, that that means like holy shit did Ryan and I have a lot of Zoom meetings and do we have a lot of Zoom meetings um over the pandemic and and all this like stuff but you know what was super interesting is that we as you guys know we produced we need to do something uh Max Booth wrote the book yes. and the script and we flew out to New York for that premiere and it was amazing uh seeing Max and Lori and um and everyone involved, the director, Sean O'Grady, and it was dude, it was incredible. Um, but it was also our first experience, Ryan and mine, as like like producers. I mean, Ryan, Ryan was a producer on Bird Box, so I suppose he had that experience when we were at the premieres for those for the, those premieres for that movie. But this felt a little different. This felt like like we had really like from the ground up sort of made this happen or something on our own or something. And it, it was just an amazing thing to, first of all, we, Alice and I have been at home for like a year and a half, like everyone else in the world. And then as we're getting ready to go, you know, as we're prepping to to go to this uh, Tribeca Film Festival in New York, I kept saying to myself, man, dude, it's just good that we're leaving the house. That's all that matters. We're leaving the house. And then I think that I didn't quite realize where we were going till we got there, the biggest fucking city in the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, we just went from home for like 15 months or whatever to like New York. Like it was like, boom. And, and every, you know, it was, it was incredible. And we drank the whole time and Nelson got our fucking septum pierced and, and Ryan and I were, <laughs> Ryan and I, I think we did a really good job of representing like, you know, what we're doing and like, like, but still like having fun. Like we got drunk, but we still like we're had cohesive conversations with people and like filmmakers and and uh, people like that and 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 the actors and stuff. It was, I think we did a good job, and it, it felt good to like be out there with him. Like holy shit, we've been zooming every day for like a year and a, or for three times a day 
for a year and a half. And here we are, like at the premiere, of one of those movies. It was a big it was a big moment for us. And for Max, it was incredible. Yeah. And I think it's one of I think it's one of many big moments for you guys, honestly. And that's not that's um, I can't talk out of school, but I know a lot of the those uh, other 14 that you talked about. Um, and there's some strong, strong potential in some of the, you know, I don't know all of them, but I know some of those people that you were referring to. And um, there's some amazing material in there. Yeah, I know. And, and Ryan, you know, he's the one that brought it up originally because it really started with Bird Box. And, and he was like, after Bird Box, it was like, we're fine. with I mean, obviously fine with how, how that all worked out. But yeah. we were like, afterwards, we were like, he was like, hey, we should be producers on what we do for now on. And I'm like, OK. And then we started this. And then at some point, you know, we were starting to get a lot of traction with I think there's. I don't know how many of mine are set up, you know, option, by the way, which is really wonderful, but also like kind of frustrating that I haven't been able to talk about a number of these. Like, oh, yeah. you know, but I'll see like someone else. I'm, I'm still not even exactly sure why I'll see someone else like put out a book and say that there's the film deal or whatever. Like I'll see that on the same day. But meanwhile, there's stuff that I've had to be quiet about for like three years, but whatever. That's okay. I mean, like some like whiny little like like prick about it. Like I get it. Yeah, like like oh my god, what problems they have? I can't announce my film deal, right? Like shut up, dude. But <laughs> but, but at the same time, like fuck, you know. So yeah. so anyway, and then Ryan at some point was like, um, hey, this is going well with your stuff. Let's start to um, shop other people's stuff too, and that was super exciting. Just because like. Working with Max, working with, working with Jonathan Jans, who's like, oh, my mm. God, one of, like, literally the coolest dudes you've ever met, right? So, so like, um, and Laurel, working with Laurel and working with um, Eric LaRocca and wearing, wor- working with, um, uh, well, I was going to start to name, like, directors and stuff. I, I, I guess I can't do that. Working with some amazing people, amazing yeah. writers, amazing artists, just amazing thinkers, and to have these meetings, and, and also it... It feels good, like when not every meeting is about yourself or something, you know, it's someone else's story, and so it's been it's been pretty fucking amazing. But again, like three fucking Zoom meetings a day for a year and a half has like been quite a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't imagine how incredibly busy you have to be in your life right now with all the irons you have in the fire. Um, but I also, it seems to me like you're having fun. It seems like you're loving life and. Um, I suspect you wouldn't really want it any other way. Yeah, I think, you know, Allison pointed out to me, she's like, you know, you do more now than you did when we met. I met Allison um, before I got a book deal. But yeah. the band was, like, playing regularly, and I was writing, like, two, three novels a year. And I'm like, what do you mean I do more now? Like, and then she's like, you didn't, when I met you, you didn't rewrite. You you know, you just wrote. You didn't rewrite. You didn't write short stories. Like, the short stories were all, the smaller ideas were all songs. Like, you didn't have these meetings with Spin a Black Yarn. She's like, you're doing more now than you ever have in your life. And she's like, I don't know if you noticed this. It's happened somewhat gradually over the last nine years. But you are really working more now than you used to. And I think it kind of, like, took her saying that for me to be like, holy shit, that's why I feel this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, right. Cocaine. I knew it wasn't just like some like dislike of the world, you know. You just explained all my amphetamine addiction. Now, if we could, right. if, if we could, put, maybe if we could quit the rewrites, I can, I can get off the the. Okay. 
Uh, that's so funny. Cocaine used to be my writer's tool of choice, so I have. <laughs> Man, I tried to write a book drunk once. Oh, fuck, was that bad? And then I tried to write one stone. That was even worse. That was yeah. that was like the most embarrassing goddamn thing. I would make it like half a page, and I'm like, God, it's so good. Like just how the words, the letters go together. I'm like, okay, Josh, you got to fucking, you can't ever do this again. You know, there was like no fluidity. I'm like, hmm, did he eat a ham sandwich or what sounds better? A ham sandwich or a cheese sandwich? Man, I'm hungry. Yeah. Ooh, what about, what about bologna and peanut butter, dude? Has anybody ever yeah, done that? Yeah. <laughs> and everything sounds like, and then you're like, why am I writing a horror novel? Am I like a freaky dude? Like what, right. like am I, is my whole, like, and then start looking around the office. I'm surrounded by scary books and masks. And like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> is there no positivity in my life? <laughs> that was a disaster. And I'll never even try that again. But the drunk one stuck too. That one was like, I got it. And like, no, no, I did not have it. <laughs> no, I can't. I I actually, when I sit down to write, I'll usually sip a glass of whiskey or hit a pipe a little bit, but I can't get ripped and do it. Yeah. Although now, I mean, it kind of sounds fun to like ch- almost challenge each other. Like you have to get wasted and write a novel. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, all right, all right, maybe, maybe it'll work this time. It's be like it'd be like um, Nano Rimo for Stoners um, <laughs> National Novel Writing Month. It's like yeah. only it's it's, it's four eleven month for writers. <laughs> yeah, I like this. We have this. Co- have to get creative with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Book book number thirty for Josh. You got to write the entire thing on Ritalin. <laughs> well, there are 36 already, so we'll say book 40. Yeah. <laughs> because there's the 25 in the box, and there's 11 that are, like, out in some form. I can't Matt, believe I say that. You're probably like, okay, dude, whatever. You got the joke, though. No, yeah, I, I know. I didn't, I didn't mean to correct that number, but I guess I am very prideful about it. Maybe I shouldn't be. But I, right, there are 36. Hey, Josh, you have 36 novels. I would certainly be prideful about that. Oh, um, yes. All right, I didn't yeah, wait to like the correct word, yeah. All right. Uh, dude, your accomplishments are my encouragement. So, yeah, by all, all means, man, if you've done that work and you've achieved those fucking goalposts, um, keep fucking going and I'll keep following because it's a fact. Writers like you keep writers like me writing. So. Same to you, Shane, man. Thank you for saying that. And you do the same exact fucking thing for me. Yeah. I love you, brother. Um, unless we've missed anything glaring or if you other two gentlemen have something to add, um, I think that's all for me because I'm stoned and I am out of ideas to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm curious before we sign off, you know, Earthlings putting out Ghoul in the Cape. Are there any plans for uh, ebook or uh, paperback down the line? <clears throat> well, no, but there was no plan for Goblin or, uh, you know, Pearl either. So... I, I kind of see it as like, I don't know. No, the answer is no, but then I feel like the yeah. answer is quickly yes. Like like a, like a, like a year later, I'm going to be like, hey, how do we do this or something? But right now, the answer is no. There's no plans. But would I want that to eventually happen? Yes, of course. Yeah, there's no plans, but when I have the rights back, fuck yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I can say that. I, I'm under no contracts. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I guess my answer was a little political or something. It was a little bit sort of like, well, but then that's, yeah, that, that I do mean it, though. I like, no, right now, but down the road, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was something I, I was actually surprised that it, because I, I expected Pearl or, you know, whatever it was going to be at that point in time to come out um, a lot quicker. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, uh, and it, but I knew it would. There's no question of that. I think, you know, like you said, okay, all three of these books in circulation right now or heading into circulation um, are all previously indies. Yeah. You know? Um, and I have no idea where I was going there, and I think I have no idea where I well, was going. <laughs> but now those, now that pile has, is Carpenter's Farm and Ghoul in the Cave, and so yeah. maybe. But I, I love that sort of, as you know, Shane. I love the alternating between the big five and the indie. The big five and the indie is just like what a variety of people, scenario, yeah. and editors, and everything that I've. I've literally every other release has been. Big five, indie, big five, indie, big five, indie, every single time, every single one so far. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. And I love that. And I'll finish with that. But it's writers like you, Joe Lansdale, um, other names like that, um, that inject readers into the indie community. Because you've got all these fucking thousands and thousands of readers out there in big five land. And then they, oh, look, Josh Melliman wrote a book. You know, from, I've never heard this press, and then the next time they see something by that press, they go, they publish Mallerman, you know. So yeah, fucking thank you. Keep doing that. Yeah, that's uh, that's an amazing way to think of that. Yeah. Yep. All right, motherfuckers. All right, <laughs> all right motherfucker. I love you, brother. Same to you. Same to all three of you. That was uh, wonderful. I'm gonna go talk. I'm gonna go talk to my manager now, the dog, and yeah. see what. They- <laughs> Next in the probably. store for me. Hopefully, no marbles. Yeah, probably untie Allison too, man. I oh, can't yeah. <laughs> oh shit, she's still down there. <laughs> you just brought it all back. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Uh, Thank you, guys. It's so, always a, a pleasure good talking to you, man. Yeah, same. All right, guys. That was awesome. Bye. 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 Is somebody going to hang the fucking thing?